Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's hard-hitting Axis Arrows. Learn more about Easton's cutting-edge and fused carbon arrow technology today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, editor Christian Byrne. Welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting, and as always, we're thrilled that you've taken some of your time to be with us today. And uh, if you are a long-time listener of uh, Bow Hunting Radio, we're going to give you a little bit of a curveball today because we're not going to talk about new bow hunting products or the latest tech tips for tuning your equipment. We're going to kind of take a little bit of a look at the softer side of bow hunting, if you will, a little bit more of the, the spiritual side and the personal side of this game, this passionate pursuit that we love so much and... Uh, I've got a couple of guests who live the bow hunting lifestyle uh, as much, if not more, than I do. And we've all struggled at times with uh, feeding the bow hunting beast, if you will. I've got today uh, one repeat guest and one newcomer. Our repeat guest is field editor Eddie Claypool. You know him from the pages of Peterson's Bow Hunting as perhaps uh, the finest do-it-yourself uh, trophy hunter in North America. Eddie, appreciate you being with us today. It's always good to catch up with you. You're very welcome. Glad to be here and hope I can contribute some wisdom. Oh, you always do, Eddie. And our other guest uh, that we have on the line is Zeke Pfeiffer. Zeke's an outdoor writer. Uh, he contributes uh, semi-regularly to the pages of Peterson's Bow Hunting. Uh, and in addition to that and his avid bow hunting, he's a full-time pastor in the great state of Nebraska. So greetings to the Cornhusker State, Mr. Pfeiffer. Hey, thanks, Christian. Uh, great to be on the line with you and Eddie. You know, I've been fortunate to develop friendships with both of you guys uh, during my time here at the magazine. And I don't know how... It really came up for the first time with with both of you. But, you know, one thing that I think about uh, each fall, particularly at this time of the year as the seasons are fast approaching and I've always got a number of trips lined up and I'm juggling those travel travels with, you know, my desire to do as much hunting as I can here in my home state of Pennsylvania is just the demands that I have as a as a man, as a husband, as a father, with work and marriage and family. And uh, I can think back to times when I have actually sat in my tree stand on a given morning and felt pretty guilty about just being out there, which is kind of a shame when you think about it because we love to bow hunt so much. And I think when we're in a good place with our bow hunting, you know, it's something that really is life-giving to us. You know, it rejuvenates us, it recharges our batteries, but there are times when it doesn't do that because it's kind of taken on a place in our lives that it doesn't really deserve and we've put it ahead of things that we ought to value more. Um, and, you know, it's good to know that I'm not the only one that's felt that way and for whatever reason I've had the chance with both of you guys to to have conversations about that and you know Eddie you make me feel good because even when I think I'm kind of on my worst day you know and I hate to I hate to beat you up like this but I think well I ain't as bad as that Claypool man because he's he's really gone off the deep end for bow hunting and uh <laughs> I mean you have 
you have yeah, I, you yeah. have spent some years like literally kind of making bow hunting your god and, and you know we can look at that now and kind of laugh but there was a time in your life when it really wasn't very funny would you say eddie oh yeah definitely i mean i've been blessed or cursed however you look at it to live through the cycles of it it's part it's just kind of reflective of life in general and i grew up an only child fairly independent hard-headed and you know so it reflects in all facets of my life but in my bow hunting life i have definitely been on the side of treating it as uh, all-consuming passion and uh, i'm kind of past that stage now and i have a little better grip on on it i think and um I believe that, you know, whether you live through that or not, uh, there are things in everybody's life that they go through with it, whether it be bonding or work or money or something. But, you know, as you get older, hopefully you get older and get wiser and you realize the priorities have got to change a little bit and get in, in proper order. And that's where I try to live my life nowadays. Now, just to give people an idea of, well, actually kind of part of the impetus for this before we even go further is if you if you pick up a copy of our October issue which is our our whitetail special we've got an article in there that you wrote Eddie called attitude adjustments and it talks about a lot of these things and basically how how miserable you actually became by sort of a, a non-stop futile pursuit to satiate you know to satisfy yeah. your bow hunting right. desire and the more you tried to satisfy that the less satisfied you became because it just simply wasn't possible to achieve all the things that you tried to achieve but uh you know before we get into those details i mean just to give people yeah. a sense you used to literally organize your entire life around bow hunting to the point where you'd work like 80, 90 hour weeks construction all spring and summer. And then when fall came, you'd give your family a bunch of money and literally disappear for two, three months at a time, right? Yeah, that's actually a pretty good description of it. Um, I would, I've been able to go off for up to two months at a time before. And as I even speak about it now at this point in my life and look back on it, it even sounds psychotic to me. Uh, you know, but nevertheless, it was who I was. It's a part of my life that I lived through, and there's definite blessings about it. Maybe it got it out of my system, but then again, it also created some demons in me by being able to uh, pursue it at that level. But I've learned a lot, and nowadays, uh, you know, I've come to realize that man has got to have goals and hobbies and things that he wants to play with and pursue, but to let them become all-consuming is the problem. You've got to keep them in focus and uh, you know, I believe in a higher authority, and I don't believe you'll be blessed in life if you don't keep him in perspective and keep this other stuff in line with uh, his priorities. And uh, just tell me about, you know, some of the situations that you found yourself in, Eddie, that really caused you to, you know, kind of rethink your attitude about bow hunting. I mean, how at your you know, at its worst, you know, was yeah. hunting something that caused you more pain than joy? Well, real quickly, I hit a kind of a point one time at a certain, after many years of just, you know, going harder and more and harder and more, I finally come to a point where 
I had such goals and expectations and such a living in the fast lane attitude that it just made me miserable because I could not attain the high. I had attained so many goals that they finally got so high they were unrealistic because, you know, there's only like one real shortcut to bow hunting goals, and that's to have a lot of money. <laughs> but I did not. So I had to do the best I could at a blue collar level. And I finally just got so frustrated with what I was trying to do in the hunting for my own personal desire that I had to uh, kind of come to the realization one fall that I'm about to have a nervous breakdown literally over it. I was just, my mind and my spirit was completely traumatized by, by where I was at. And so I just had a kind of a, you might say, an epiphany and decided that there's going to be some changes between this year and the next. And I worked all year on my spiritual and emotional and you know state and got myself back into perspective. And, and ever since that year, it's been a whole lot more fun and a whole lot more productive. Uh, so that's kind of the way it was, just reaching an awakening with me. Now, Zeke, um, you know, we hear somebody like Eddie talk, and, of course, Eddie has is somebody who, you know, really has lived, you know, a top-level bow hunting lifestyle for a long time. He's hunted, you know, all across North America. He's got a trophy room that, you know, most people will only dream of but certainly this is not a problem that is confined to people you know at the professional level if you will you know people like Eddie I think we all know people you know in addition to ourselves just guys in our neighborhood you know you you don't have to travel a thousand miles for a hunting trip to have it become a stumbling block in your life. Uh, talk a little bit about your experience, Zeke, and what are maybe some of the things that we can think about as we head into hunting season this year about kind of balancing our bow hunting and the rest of our life? Yeah, yeah, those, those are good questions. Um, no, I mean, I think this is, I think this is such a great topic to discuss because I think it, it hits home with all of us. I mean, uh, every everybody I know that loves to to fish and hunt i mean we share we share something in common and that is we are passionate about the outdoors and you just know when you're with your kind of people because i mean there's just a pull to uh to be outdoors and to find that next adventure and that next challenge and um man i love listening to people like eddie talk because uh, that's how young pups like us uh hopefully learn what's kind of at the end of that road if we keep uh, you know, really chasing these things, but, you know, not just as a pastor, but kind of as a, a guy that loves to just, uh, be around sportsmen and, and speak at sportsmen's retreats and things. I'm always talking to guys that, um, I mean, on one hand, they've, they've got a ton of stories about, you know, chasing that big white tail or, or, uh, you know, that big elk. But, you know, then I start asking them questions about, just life and, and parenting and marriage and friendships and um, man, a lot of times you see the see the expressions on their faces change and you see um, you know their consciences are really bothered and and so you know for me I I've thought about this and, and written about this because I am right there in that camp with these guys I mean I've I've definitely made my mistakes and. Um, just don't want those mistakes to be in really huge categories and so that's uh, that's kind of why I spend uh, a lot of my time thinking about these categories and writing about them so um, 
you were asking maybe about, you know, things to think about. Um, you know, I think, I really do think that uh, all of us would probably say that our times outdoors uh, are so much better. And, I mean, the, the air smells better and the excitement just is so much more uh, when we head out there with just things intact, you know. Uh, our relationships are in good shape and um, we're not going out there feeling super guilty about um you know, leaving our leaving our spouses home to care for the kids again, and and so that's you know that's just something to something to I think really think about is just how uh, how much our consciences really play a role in our enjoyment of the outdoors. And um, again, like I said, I haven't figured it all out yet, but I love to think about how to enjoy the outdoors as much as possible. And like Eddie was saying, I just think I think our our life when we're not outdoors plays a big big part in that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, the thing is, too, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea either and say that, you know, we think that anybody who is, you know, hunting a lot or traveling a lot to hunt necessarily has their priorities out of order because, right. you know, that's not the case. You know, I actually wrote wrote my editor's column for the October issue about this same topic, and, you know, I made the point in there, and I really believe this, that while it's easy to get you know, carried away with our bow hunting or to make that an idol, you know, in our lives that takes precedence over things that ought to be more important. It's not really so much just about how much time you spend out there as it is our attitude about that. And what I mean is, you know, you can, you could go off for two months and hunt if that's what works for your family and, you know, everybody's on board with it and, and it's cool. But if it, crosses that line of becoming where you know it's a it's a just a selfishness that kind of drives that and even if we're not consciously aware of it you know that's when we we do start to sacrifice things i mean you know eddie i don't want to you know make you tell on yourself too bad but i'm sure like you said as you think back to some of the 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 years that you spent and i know that you have some wonderful memories in the field and some great trophies uh, to show for that but do you also have some regrets about things that maybe, you know, you didn't take care of that, that you'd do things differently if you did it all over again? Yeah, this is a very difficult subject for me because I still try to grasp it and put it in reality for me, and there's two sides to it. There's everybody else's side, and then there's mine, and I try to be neutral and look at things from their point of view as much as mine. And, you know, I spent many a years being just really uh, roasted for a lot of the stuff I did. Um, my family, they pretty well grasped it. They knew it was the way I lived my life. And I did not take away from my family basically anything except for some actual time. They were not in want for things, and I didn't selfishly just, you know, I begged from Peter and to pay Paul just to get to go and do a little, and I made sure that they were prioritized I spent probably more time with my family during the off-season than most men did in an entire year, and I made sure I did that. But because of the fact that I took a lot of flack from a lot of people that didn't like what I was doing for whatever reason, whether it be jealousy or whatever, I also questioned what I was doing, whether it was ever right or not. And I, I did cross the line at times, not necessarily with the way I robbed my family or friends of things to do what I wanted, but I probably did wrong just from the fact that hunting becomes such an all-consuming 
emotional, spiritual, mental thing that I worshipped it. I lived for it. I, if I wasn't doing it, I was thinking about it or planning it. And uh, that's where I feel in my life I kind of got <clears throat> maybe over the line was in my uh, making an actual idol out of it. But looking back, yeah, you know, I robbed time from my family at times, but, you know, there's truck drivers out there that drive trucks, you know, all year long to make a living, and executives fly all over the place to make a living, and they're gone from their family summit. So, you know, it, that perspective, we just all have to make, ju- make our own judgments on whether we're robbing our family or not. And uh, if we can go to bed and I have a clear conscience that we're treating our friends and family and relationships proper, and when I say, you know, that's human relations, I believe in the spiritual relation. And that's where I slightly got things out of perspective and made hunting almost a god to me. And that's where I feel a little bit convicted for the life that I led for so, so many years. Yeah, and yeah. that's a good point, too, Eddie, as far as, you know, we're not judging other people. And, and we, we, right. really, we really walk a, a pretty we're on a slippery slope if we do that, you know, and that's one thing I said in my column as far as, you know, I can't speak for my fellow bow hunter. I only know, you know, what's right for me. And and I think what's right, right, what's right for me is to have, you know, faith, family and bow hunting in that order, you know, and when things start to get out of that order, you know, that's when, that's when you run into problems with your, with your relationships and, and you don't enjoy your bow hunting as much because you know that, you know, you're not really where you ought to be. Exactly. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, I really, really like how Eddie just said all of that. And it, um, it reminded me a while back, I wrote an article for a different, uh, a different magazine and, um, and it wrestled with that, the, you know, the very first commandment in the 10 commandments, uh, you know, the commandment to not have any other gods, uh, before God. And I, and I wrestled in this article with that question of, you know, you, you think of that passage and you think of these little wooden statues that uh, people were bowing down to, but what about the what about the issue of hunting? You know, can that be something that that you can give yourself over to to a point where, um, you know, God is secondary and just everything is just kind of out of whack? And, man, when I started wrestling with that question, I realized that, wow, <laughs> Not only do I think it's possible, but I've definitely, definitely uh, danced around that line. And, you know, you're dealing with a heart thing. You're dealing with, like Eddie said, it's not so much this amount of time is okay and that amount of time is okay. It's a, it really does start getting into the issue of, you know, the heart, the affections, what it is that we most, what, what it is that most drives us. Mm-hmm. And And that, you know, when you talk about, talk about what makes something a god or what makes something an an idol it's it's man what what gets you up in the in the morning what what do you go to bed at night thinking about and for me man i'm telling you i love hunting as much as anybody and for me sometimes it is hunting and and i and i can tell you out of season sometimes i just feel uh a lack of energy and motivation and there was one year i just realized um that might be pointing to something in my something in my heart that's not quite right so mm-hmm. well what if i what if i just wanted to be the devil's advocate here though zeke and say you know what and I, and I actually believe this to a certain degree and it's something that i distinctly remember talking to my wife about 
when I right. took, took this job as the editor of Peterson's Bowhunting, I said, you know, this is my dream, but I have to have your support because it is going to require some sacrifices on your part because if you're going to do this, you have to do it. In other words, you know, if your goal is to become a professional baseball player, okay, a major right. leaguer, those people, yes, they, they're supremely talented. They've been gifted with abilities that the average person doesn't have. But right. above and beyond that, they have to work, and they have to be away from their families, and they have to give everything they have and do that right. every single day, year in and year out, to be able to compete at that highest level. And bow hunting is very much the same. You know, it's one thing hmm. for me to sit here behind my desk at the magazine office and say, I want to kill a 350-inch bull elk. But to mm -hmm. actually do that requires a commitment of time and effort and dedication and planning and execution that is above and beyond what the average bow hunter is probably going to do in their lifetime. And right. in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. It just comes back to, as you said, what is, what is the attitude? And at the end of the day, you know, right. do you value, you know, achieving that goal, punching that tag more right. than the other things, you know, in your life? Right. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I don't disagree with that at all. In fact, I, I think that's well said. I think, I think, again, this is an issue of, um, this is an issue of, of the heart. You know, uh, we, a lot of times in our, in our sport, certainly in our, um, you know, in our advertising of, of products and things like that, you'll see words like uh, obsession or addiction, uh, things like that. And and I mean, I think it's one thing. I think I think God wants excellence, and I think if if bow hunting's uh, your area, um, man, you gotta you gotta throw yourself into it and and pursue excellence. And and I see I see guys like Eddie. Uh, really helping uh, young pups like you and me figure out what that looks like at times. And um, but there's a to me it seems like there's a difference between excellence and hard work and diligence that could apply to construction or uh, you know teaching or to bow hunting. There's a difference in that uh, too. Uh, you know, you use words like obsession and addiction, and all of a sudden you're kind of implying that something else has taken over, you know? Mm -hmm. Something else has taken control of us, and and now we're not working at it and, and producing excellence through it. It's now controlling us, and and that's where I think you, you know, it... It's not an issue of quantity of time or that kind of thing. It could, it could be a guy that hunts a couple times a week. But I think when something takes that central kind of controlling place in our lives, that's what we're dealing with. That's when the problems really mm -hmm. start. Man, I've been there. I think any of us who loves to hunt as much uh, as, as the three of us do feels that tension of, of this passion taking over, you know. And I think that's, that's where the line is. But that's a hard issue, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Eddie, you, uh, you've written a several articles about more recent adventures that you've had, you know, in the last five or ten years and the getting your wife Peggy involved in bow hunting and just kind of taking a different pace of things because 
you've got, you know, a relative newcomer in the sport and you're trying to show her the ropes and provide opportunities for her to be successful and, and, you know, light the fire of her passion for the hunt. When you think back to, you know, the crazy hardcore days when you'd, you know, be steep and deep for weeks at a time and just hunting like a man possessed and, and then now, what are the differences and can you really say that one is better than the other or what are the things that you appreciate, you know, having the perspective now of both experiences? Well, very few people will ever get to experience what I have and I'm not saying it in a bragging manner, I'm saying it in reality because I know how I lived for about 20 years and I can honestly say that I don't care who they are, the TV stars or none of them, none of them went at it any harder and longer and more passionately than I did. Whether or not that was a blessing or a curse, I can't answer that right now, other than to say that I have the ability, since that's past history, to try to turn it into a blessing. And so, you know, it's a past part of my life. I'm going to hunt like, you know, he's like we're, we discussed a while ago, which is for excellence, but I'm not going to be obsessed by it. I'm like a drug addict that just got clean and I'm sitting on the edge all the time I have to fight the demons of falling off the fence wrong direction because I see a lot of what's going on in the hunting world and it's natural for a man to have drive and desire and you know I see some things that just I'm like well I want to go for that I want to be the star you see these young punks out there who ain't done nothing (laughs) and you're thinking you couldn't tie my bootlaces boy right well no you know listen I'm gonna tell you something I don't blow my horn about nothing, but I've been there and done that with the, with anybody. And But that doesn't matter in this technological world we're living in. I mean, there's people out there that are, you know, making it big, and it's a business. And that's the difference in it to me. I don't want to make it a business, but I'm going to do it for reasons other than my own selfish from now on. I, I spent 20 years of raping the hunting world, taking everything from my own good, and if you could hold on to my hind end long enough and hard enough, you might go somewhere with me, and if not, I'd just shake you off and not even look back, and that's not like that anymore. I have a heart to share some now. I want to be able to try to impart some things into people. I want to leave a bit of a legacy other than just being a self-centered old woods rat, and uh, so hopefully, you know, there's going to be doors open for that in the future, and I'm going to try to you, you know, use my whatever. I don't like to even say talents because I don't consider myself talented. But I like to use my abilities and my knowledge to help enhance some of the stuff in the hunting world for some other people in the future, I hope. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you've seen in your own life, too. I mean, uh, certainly if, if bow hunting can be something that can cause uh, division in relationships, you know, and we've right. all... We've right. all kind of seen that or felt that. It can also be a great uniter, too. I mean, I would say, yes. you know, only knowing you and Peggy, you know, just a little bit. Right. But clearly, you know, that's been a great blessing in your marriage. And uh, it can be a great thing, you know, to, to draw you together as well as tear you apart. Definitely. Definitely. I've had a whole new realm of possibilities open to me with taking Blondie bow hunting because I have had to learn patience and perseverance and things, and I needed it. Uh, I see, you know, I see things working in my life continually to make me a better person if I just take the time to allow them. And, you know, allowing friends in and taking time to help young people 
and sharing time with, you know, uh, Peggy and others. I mean, just like having you down to go turkey hunting for a few days mm-hmm. and sacrificing, you know, that wouldn't even have fitted into the realms of my, the back of my mind in the old days. I was too busy doing my thing. I didn't have time for other people, you know, but yeah, I've learned and, a lot. And watching, me, watching me miss that many turkeys would have just driven you absolutely insane, wouldn't it? <laughs> I assure you that I, I would have been a different shade of green, you know, 10 years earlier, but I, I'm glad that I'm not, and I'm glad you got to experience a little bit older, wiser, and more patient person. But I still fight those demons every day, too, to improve. And I'm just hoping that somehow my life can be worth something to some people and that I can impart some, you know, some not only hunting savvy, but life savvy as as I go along. Well, rest assured, you, you've you got some value to offer people. And I know that mm-hmm. our readers enjoy your, your adventures. And uh, there's a lot of people that you know, appreciate you and, and relate to you, Eddie. And, and, and I certainly am glad that you're part of the, the Peterson's bow hunting family. Uh, Zeke, what are some practical things that we ought to do or we can do? As we said, there's not really a cut and dried formula for saying, well, mm-hmm. you know, if you hunt twice a week, you're good. But if you go out three times, you're a terrible husband and father. Uh, right. You know, right. it's not right. that easy. How how can we test our our own spirits, and how can we communicate with, you know, our bosses and our spouses yeah. and our kids, and kind of go into the season with a plan that we're actually going to be doing things the right way, and when we're out there, we can be a hundred and ten percent invested because we know that that's time right. that you know is blessed, you know, for us to to be out there and do our thing. Yep, yep. That's a that's a perfect question um and you know we've just uh in my family we've been trying new things every year um because we we uh every year have to kind of revisit the the schedule and and the time and that kind of thing one of the things um i tell i tell guys to do or or give it a try like uh we've been trying the last couple years is at the beginning of the season and it's probably a month out from uh September 15th is the beginning of Nebraska's bow season. Uh, I'll sit down with Jamie, that's my wife, and we'll just talk about uh, the fall calendar. And, you know, I'll talk about, you know, my hopes and, and, and when I'm wanting to get some time away and, and take a trip or two or three. Or, and then I'll talk with her just about what it looks like for her also to get some time alone and, and uh, what trips you know, that she might want to take and time that she might want to spend with friends. And and I think just for, for you know, guys that really want to have a productive fall to have that, that touch point with their, maybe their spouse or their children even, um, certainly the people they work with, just heading into the season to make sure everybody's got the, uh, the same picture of the fall in mind. Uh, man, that can go a long ways. And yeah, because it's not—it's not as easy to make those decisions when you see a 150, and then you decide no, that you need to—you need to be back in that tree every day for the next week, no questions asked, right? Oh, you're, you're not kidding. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, if you—if you don't have those talks early, a couple of years ago, um, I think this is where we first had this idea. I—I uh, was—I was going to head down to Missouri for a bow hunt with a with a buddy of mine, and I spent. I spent three weeks planning this thing, and my wife watched me do that. And uh, she had she had some hopes that we would uh, we would go on a date. 
uh, and you know, I told her, I think I gave a nod to that and told her, yeah, Hey, you can plan on this night for a date. And, and then we get right up to that weekend where we're supposed to have the date. And then I leave for this trip. I mean, I've got every aspect of that trip planned out and I hadn't spent a minute thinking about that date. And we just realized that, man, if we don't, if we don't really talk about the relationship and what it takes to, to give that equal thought and equal time to the hunting stuff, um, we're going to, we're going to have some conflict during bow season. So, um, yeah, I think calendar talks, uh, are really, really great. Um, I think, I think having a buddy that you can say, listen, Hey, will you keep an eye on me this year? And if I start to get a little bit, a little bit out of whack, would you, uh, would you step in and say something, uh, to me? And that's, if you would have tried that with Eddie 20 years ago, he'd have socked you in, in the nose. Yeah, I mean it takes a, yeah it takes a special it takes a special guy to ask that of a friend, and then it takes a pretty special friend to, because more than likely it's going to be one of my friends that hunts too, and so you know that that'll be a two way deal. But I I do think it if you can recruit a friend in helping you stay balanced, that's a pretty good deal too. So. Well, I tell you what, guys, we may not have given, you know, like any secret tactic or calling tip that's going to directly punch a tag. But for those people who are listening, if you've got a wife or a girlfriend or if you're a hardcore hunting, bow hunting woman who's got a husband that's not into it, this is the episode to, like, get your significant other to listen to. We may have just bought a whole lot of people, like, gift subscriptions to Peterson's Bow Hunting because those wives are listening to this thinking, yeah, man, these guys at Peterson's Bow Hunting, they've got it figured out. I like what they're saying. Yeah. yeah, I don't know yeah. if we have it figured yeah. out, but we're talking about it because we uh, well, we're trying we to, to that. Yeah, that's we're, right. We're trying to figure it out. You know, that's right. I'm it, lucky to have survived living through some of it. <laughs> oh, I know, but yep. that's given you some good stories to to tell too. You know, like I know that I'll never go across a really steep uh, uh, avalanche, Aval- avalanche because shoot. I could possibly fall off a cliff and kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and those nights that I was being selfish above Timberline, sleeping on them alpine ridges when the Lord sent those lightning bolts down to uh, nuke the rocks around me, he was trying to teach me something, I think, maybe, because my conscience would speak to me yeah, and yeah. tell me that, are you really, if one of them was to just vaporize you right now, are you where you really want to be in life? Wow. <laughs> wow, that's good. Well, I read something about conscience just like, this past week or so, something along the lines, it might have been actually in one of the articles you sent me, Zeke, was it something along the lines of, you know, conscience will tell you, you know, what the right thing is, but it won't make you do it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, which again, yeah. take, takes us back to the beginning of our conversation. You yep. know, I, I can sit there in the tree stand and feel guilty, you know, yep. <laughs> but you uh, teased me. I, I told you about this story, Christian, you teased me about it, but, uh, and it's only happened one time. But um, a couple years ago, it was in the middle of the rut, and I'd been out three or four times that week, and I just kind of worked, worked things so that I could go out one more time. And I climbed that tree, and I was sitting in the, that tree in a beautiful day in the middle of the rut here in Nebraska, and I climbed back down, man. Uh, I, I was told, there for about I 20 minutes, Zeke, and I climbed down and went home. I because told, I, yeah, I never did. I told 
let me just interject. Eddie, I told Zeke I never did anything yeah. that stupid. But well, yeah, and I'm not. I'm not saying I'm proud of it, but no, I'm kidding. But I just uh, I got up in that stand. I started thinking about uh, all the different things that that I compromised to get up there. And I thought, even if I shoot the monster, I mean, the the biggest deer of my life, it's always going to be tainted. And so I just climbed down. And yeah, it all about boils down to personal convictions and what we all choose to live our life by. I mean, there's out there, there's those out there that just believe in, you know, living each day for itself and satisfying their self, and then there's those that live their life according to the belief that maybe there's more to it than just us. And, you know, if you have a conscience that's dictated by the right spiritual right. influences, uh, you will definitely have a one that will... If you listen to it, it will lead you to better things in life. And uh, if not, if you rebel against it, uh, right. you just won't, you know, please take my word for it. You won't get ahead in life no matter how hard you beat your head against the wall. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's kind of a great thought, you know, to wrap wrap it up on because, um, you know, I think we've, we've kind of said, you know, what's to be said. And, you know, Peterson's bow hunting, uh, myself, you know, as, as the editor, uh, our great group of field editors, guys like Eddie and Bill Winky and Randy Ulmer and the, the freelancers we work with like Zeke and, and other folks, we spend an awful lot of time trying to bring you uh, information uh, that's going to help you to be a, a more effective tactical and strategic bow hunter. And I just hope that this change of pace was helpful to some people who are listening to just give you some food for thought you know uh it's a little something different but it's kind of cool i think that you know when it comes right down to it as much as we love the trophies and the adventures the friendships that we develop as part of being a part of this bow hunting fraternity are are you know as much a, a part of it as anything so it's neat to to be able to talk once in a while with with other guys like you about these kind of topics and and to take things you know into a a different area mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. thank you very much it's my privilege to have y'all as friends and associates and uh, i'm honored to if i ever said one thing that helped you in any way shape or form because i sure gleaned some good from you guys mm-hmm. well, yeah see- i would say the same thing it's an honor for me to to get to talk to you guys too and i'm constantly learning from both of you guys so to get to have a conversation with you over the phone like this is is a real treat for me and i'd be remiss zeke i almost forgot about you buddy but i i remembered you've got you've got a book project about this very topic coming up before we yep. say goodbye tell me a little bit about your new book uh when it's coming out and what it's all about yeah thank you for that uh i've forgotten about it too so um yeah, I got a book that is coming out with Howard Books uh, sometime around March of 2012. Uh, the title is uh, Man on the Run, and then the subtitle is Helping Hyper-Hobbied Men Recognize the Best Things in Life. And, I mean, it's just exactly what we're talking about here. Um, you know, it, they say that you write about the things that you want to learn about, and for me, I, I want to learn... Uh, how to how to finish life well so that when I'm 70, 80 years old, um, I'm not living with a conscience that's just really bruised. And so um, just use this book to do a lot of interviews and, and thinking about 
um, how to be a guy that, man, I just, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't have a governor. I just, I throw myself into things and I've got probably 30, 35 pursuits. And, and yet what does it look like to be somebody that's really passionate about things, but, uh, keeps the most important things, uh, in focus, uh, my relationship with Jesus, my, my wife, my kids, my friendships, uh, excellence in my work. Um, so it's just kind of my best attempt to to share stories and, and talk about what I've picked up from other people as well on, mm-hmm. on those those things. So, well, that's great, Zeke. And it sounds like it kind of comes back to same thing that Eddie said, you know, yep. in slightly different words, which is the idea of legacy. You know, yep. when he looks back at a lifetime of bow hunting, he doesn't want to just remember, you know one skinny guy with a bow on top of the mountain, but right. he wants to know that that guy impacted some other lives and, and left some value. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what we all, we all kind of want to be able to look back someday and say, you know, it wasn't just about us. So, right. Right. Again, yep. gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time and, uh, I'm going to look forward to keeping in touch with both of you throughout this fall. And hopefully, seeing some good pictures of critters on the ground and and some fun stories to go with it. Hey, thank you guys, too. Yep, thank you all, and uh, Jesus is life. Yep, yep. All right, guys, take care. Hey, thank you, Christian. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's Hard-Hitting Access Arabs. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now.